0: Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. You'll enjoy spending all the money. You'll enjoy overeating. You'll enjoy oversleeping. We enjoy those things. But often, we can regret them eventually. Often, more often than not, we regret it eventually. At some point, those things catch up to uh, it's temptation. is a desire to do something that you will enjoy initially, no doubt about it, but you will regret it eventually. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Everyone has heroes growing up, and even in adulthood. It is these heroes that often can do things we wish we could do. They have a popularity that we can only dream about. When it comes to our relationship with God, He doesn't want us to only have heroes of this world but also Heroes of Faith. In this series, we'll be studying a portion of the Bible in Hebrews 11 that is known as the Heroes of Faith chapter. This chapter is full of stories of men and women who had an extraordinary faith in God. While they were not perfect, they were faithful. As we study their stories, we will learn how we can be faithful as well. Please enjoy the message. Now, uh, maybe you saw this phenomenon if you were on social media this past week. Uh, it's kind of incredible the way it blew up. But with the Face App, Face App, how many of you here have have the Face App on your phone? How many of you? Come on, this is that is not true. I know there are people in here who have done the Face App. How many of you deleted it already? Because the Russians are getting all your information. Yes, they're after you, and they're they're going to get all your money in your bank. You're going to wake up one day, and there's going to be no money in your bank account. And you're like, so what's different? (laughs) <laughs> there 's no money there anyway no they so this face app though it's essentially this app where you run a picture through a filter and it can make you younger older and there 's a variety of different filters uh, that you can go on and they just adjust your your picture that you run through it and so we decided to have a little fun with that and some of the staff sent me some pictures and and so I just want to share with you some of the filters that they have maybe you 're not aware of some of these filters uh, but but they exist they exist for example like what is what does a student pastor look like after he's been at camp for a week. Um, there you go, with students. It, it really wears on you. This, that's Juan there, in case you didn't know that. Man, it really takes its toll. And and this is what you look like after you've watched all the staff kids. Man, just run that right through there, and, and they take your toll on you. No, <laughs> they wears you out, those kids. Uh, and this is Brandon, and Brandon, we ran him through, uh, we kind of went this, uh, it was sort of this uh, Easy Rider. You remember that movie? Yeah, we ran him through the Easy Rider filter. Bam, right there. And then we ran him through the, the Beatles filter, and it was the same thing. I mean, you know, just ended up with that guy. Amazing. And then... Um, Tom, who was with our students, he's transitioning over to adults. This is what you look like after he's here to have his second kid this next week, and it just like boom, second kid you're just it it hits you hits you hard uh, a lot you no longer that no longer uh, two one one all right it's uh two one two and then this is what you look like um right here. this is me, if you can't tell, so yes, yes, um that that hair is something else, isn't it? And so I ran that through the filter of what does it look like after you have your fifth kid? After you have the fifth kid? So my wife, she, in case you didn't know, she's pregnant. Fifth kid? Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no. No, she's going to kill me. <laughs> This, this will be the last time you ever see me again. <laughs> no, no more kids. We're done at four. Four is it. Well, We tapped out at four. And then we ran Gene through all the filters. We just ran him through every filter we could find. Gene Barron, the old old lead pastor here at Valley View, still with us part-time for those of you that are new, um, doing a lot of different things. But we ran Gene through the filter, and he just doesn't change. Same yesterday, today, forever. Gene's just always the same. <sighs> what this app does, though, is in a moment's time, it ages you. In a few seconds, you age a few decades. And we know physically that that isn't how it works. Physically, it takes years for us to grow, to mature. But there are conditions that people can have that which stunt growth, or even stop it for that matter, chromosome abnormalities, skeletal abnormalities, malnutrition, genetic conditions, all of those things can stop someone's physical growth or physical maturity. In a spiritual way, uh, similar things can happen. And we've been in this sermon series, Heroes of Faith, with the purpose of helping us to grow spiritually, to help us to grow in our faith. And so we've been looking at these heroes of faith that Hebrews chapter 11 mentions, goes all the way back. We go back into the Old Testament to study their story, to find why why they're mentioned in Hebrews 11, connecting the Old Testament, New Testament in doing that. But as we've looked at these people, we've learned principles about how it is that we can grow our faith. And in a similar way, our faith grows, but it doesn't grow immediately. It doesn't grow overnight. You can't run yourself through an app and become mature. You can't download some type of filter and all of a sudden become Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. It just doesn't work like that. It takes time. It takes effort. That's what we've been talking about. But today we're going to take a little bit different perspective, and we're going to look at some of those abnormalities. In fact, in fact we're going to focus on one thing, that can stunt our spiritual growth, stops our spiritual growth. And it's us succumbing to temptations that enter into our lives. Today, we're gonna, as we look at Samson, we're gonna look at a man who had a lot going for him, but he was also a man that struggled mightily with temptation. Now, I don't know if you've heard many sermons on temptation, don't know if you've studied much with temptation, but I do know this, we all deal with temptation. Now, we don't aren't all tempted by the same things, And there are some things that you're never going to be tempted by. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but there's just things in life that will never tempt you. For example, you're never going to be tempted to exercise. It's just, it's not a thing. I, I promise you, you're not tempted to save money. You're tempted to spend money. You're not tempted to not say what you're thinking. No, no, you're tempted to always say what you're thinking. That's the temptation. You're not tempted to wake up early. Who gets tempted to wake up early? Oh, my goodness. But it feels good when you sleep in, right? That's the temptation. You're not tempted to eat cauliflower. Who's that? And when that shows up on your plate, there is no temptation to eat that. That is sheer Discipline to put that into your mouth. We're tempted to eat ice cream, cookies, donuts emphasize like multiple donuts. Because the first donut's just a given. You just do that. The second and the third donuts, that's when temptation, because there's got to be some fight there. Eventually you're just not gonna end up in a good spot. Temptation's tough. Here's how I would define temptation biblically for us, though. It's a desire. I want to emphasize that. Desire. It's not an action desire. And you maybe got a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, a child, and maybe you've gotten upset at them because they are tempted or because they've been admitted to being tempted to do certain things. You don't condemn someone for temptation. You help them through temptation. Now, once they succumb to an action, there's often consequences that come as a result of that. But I've talked to many men who will talk with their wives and the wives just don't struggle. Why, don't understand why they struggle with certain temptations. Jesus Christ was tempted, okay? Everyone goes through temptation, but it's a desire. And we need each other, as we'll talk about, to help us through those temptations. It's a desire to do something that you will enjoy initially. You'll enjoy gossiping. You're going to love it. Tear that person down. Tear that person apart. You'll enjoy spending all the money. You'll enjoy overeating. You'll enjoy oversleeping. We enjoy those things, but often we can regret them eventually. Often, more often than not, we regret it eventually. At some point, those things catch up to us. temptation. It's a desire to do something that you will enjoy initially, no doubt about it, but you will regret it eventually. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website valleyviewcc.com for more information. Now let's get back to our program. You'll regret giving into the addiction. Maybe you've been maybe you've been doing good. It's been days or weeks or months or even years since you've given into that thing. At some point though, if you give into it, you'll you'll enjoy it initially but you'll regret it eventually to give up on a spouse. I've had many conversations with people who wish that they could just go back and make that first marriage work because the second and third ones don't get any easier to tear someone down behind their back. It feels good for a little bit, but eventually the ripple effects of that, they don't come out overnight, but they get back to you weeks, months later. It always gets back when it comes to that tear someone apart to their face. There's often, it's interesting whenever you, there's a reason why one of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Like, our approach to people really matters. Now, we may be tempted to be harder or harsher, but that doesn't ever work out. Not in the end. And so, temptation is a great struggle for us all. But what is the lesson that we learn from Samson? If there was one lesson that we could learn from Samson about temptation, it's this, is that you cannot control if, well, let me tell you a little bit about samson and we'll get to that point is samson here's the deal with him he was bold before men but he was weak before women he fought the lord's battles by day but he broke the lord's commandments by night his spirit was strong but his flesh was weak that's who samson was and the lesson that we learn about samson in regards to temptation is this is that you can't control if you will be tempted only how much you will be tempted And you can control that. And in Samson's life, we see that he put himself in some bad positions around some bad people, and he didn't discipline himself enough to keep himself out of the positions of doing things that he would ultimately one day regret. His story picks up in Judges chapter 13. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give him birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. There's only four instances in the Bible in which an angel appears to someone and prophesies or predicts a child will be born. It happened with Abraham and Isaac. It happened with John the Baptist and his mother Elizabeth. An angel appeared to Mary and Joseph and told them that Jesus would be born. And an angel appears to Manoah and his wife, telling them that Samson would be born. This tells you the significance that Samson has in God's plan. Very significant. Incredibly significant. The story goes on. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite. And it's in reference to a Nazarite vow. Dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. What is the Nazarite vow? It's that He couldn't, uh, Samson couldn't drink alcohol. He can't touch a living creature that has died and he can't cut his hair. That was the Nazarite vow. And so in Samson's life, as he grew older, the woman gave birth to a boy, named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. At this point in Samson's life, it's thought that he's about 20 years old. And life is good. He's successful, he's healthy, He's well-liked. His strength is undoubtedly becoming known. If you aren't familiar with Samson's story, he was incredibly strong. Like no one, had been, no one is like him. No one has ever been like him, the strength that he would display. It was something that was absolutely supernatural, the strength that was given to him from God. And so he's in a good place in life. And that's when temptation comes. That's when temptation came to Samson. You want to know how you know if this sermon's for you today? If you're sitting there and you're saying, I hope my husband's listening. I hope my wife's hearing this. I hope that friend of mine checks out this sermon. I hope they read Samson. My child needs to know this. Because it's in that comfortable spot that temptation comes to us. It's when we're thinking that we're okay but somebody else needs it, that we have the most potential to end up succumbing to the temptation that's going to stunt our faith. It's going to hold us back. It's truthfully for all of us, no doubt about it. But you especially need to be careful if you're thinking like this is really for somebody else because it's probably going to need to be for you. And in Samson's case, he had some real struggles. And so this is what happened to him after that because it's really downhill for Samson from here on out until the very end of his life. Samson went down. And down is not just a geographical location that he is going to go to to Timna, it's also a spiritual destination that he is en route to. Timna was a place where unbelieving Philistines lived. They were the kind of people that were wicked, unrepentant, and they were not trying to align themselves with the God of the Bible. And that's where he goes. He's going there to find a woman. And saw there a young Philistine woman. And when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. You see, in this day, it was imperative that parents would go into agreements with one another before a child, before their children could be given over into marriage. That's just the way they did it. And so that's what Samson's talking about here. So there's a level of submission that we have to catch that Samson still has to his parents. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman, though, among your relatives or among all your people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistine to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. And and Samson just begins to have this struggle. He shouldn't have had this struggle. But the reason that he's having this struggle is because he's gone to some place that he shouldn't have gone. And he's been around people he shouldn't have been around. And the lesson here with Samson, we'll go on here in this next little verse, as he went down again down, 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 and he talked with the woman, and he liked her. He shouldn't have liked her. He shouldn't have been around her. But because he put himself in the wrong location, this is what's happened to him. And the lesson that we learned from Samson here is going to be location, 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 location when it comes to temptation. Here's the question that you have to ask yourself. These are questions that will help you to minimize temptation in your life. I'm going to give you three questions that we learned from Samson. The first is this. What locations are you most tempted in? Because there's just locations that we can get in that bad things happen. You can put yourself in a spot, and because you put yourself in that spot, you're going to have to deal with something that otherwise you wouldn't have had to deal with. That if you have a drinking problem, it's probably not a good idea to be in a bar. If you have a gambling problem, it's probably not a good idea to be in a casino. If you, if you don't want to gossip, you probably shouldn't be around people that are gossiping. You just don't want to put yourself in that kind of a location. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry, and as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we wanna extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. I was looking on the internet and I came across a few pictures of just people that found themselves in bad locations. And when you get yourself in the wrong kind of location, bad things happen. I had a basketball coach in college. He said, nothing good, because he was always dealing with problems with the players. He said, nothing good will ever happen to you after midnight. It just doesn't happen. He said, nobody ever said that they, the best thing ever happened to them at 2 a.m. in the morning. He's like, it's just not a thing. It just doesn't take place. And he said, don't put yourself in that kind of a place, in that kind of a location. I found a picture here. I thought this was kind of funny. She, see, this is what I'm talking about. When you put yourself in a bad spot, like you have to deal with something <laughs> like, that's a bad place to fall asleep. Or these ladies, you've maybe seen this picture before, but the stingrays photobombing them, that's not a good location to be in. Or even this guy, this guy, that you got way too close to the fence if that happens to you with this camel. If you struggle with envy, struggle with jealousy, anxiety, um, maybe even depression, studies have shown that social media is not a good place to go. It's not a good place to go. There was a study, a clinical study that was done on specifically people that would view Facebook. And it was found that through that study that the majority of people leave Facebook feeling worse than when they went on to it. Uh, the clinical psychologist said it this way: If a friend calls to say that she is engaged, promoted, or packing up to spend a month in India, it's a normal. It's normal to feel jealous, jealousy, a little bit of unease. But the in- intimacy of true friendship often mitigates mitigates those unpleasant feelings. However, with Facebook, that true intimacy isn't there, so the jealousy remains. Facebook creates pseudo intimacy. Put you in a position. Uh, that you may not want to be in, that you shouldn't be in, and in Samson's um, and in Samson's case, he kept putting himself in these positions in these locations where he was going to have to deal with temptations that he wouldn't have otherwise had to deal with. What locations are you most tempted in? And perhaps right in front of a computer is where we find some of the greatest temptations. In Samson's life, we go on. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. And so he had actually killed a lion on a previous trip. And so he goes back down that same path and he sees this lion, but he sees these bees there and honey. And he scoops out the honey with his hands and he ate as he went along. And wh- what's the, why does he do this? Well, he does it because he's hungry. He's hungry. But the other reason that he does this is because he's alone. And if you go back to his Nazarite vow, what you find is that he's compromising his faith. He wasn't supposed to touch a living creature who has recently died. And so by reaching into the animal's carcass and eating the honey, you know he's compromising his faith. He's compromising his vow. But if his parents would have been with him, I don't think he would have done it. If somebody else would have been with him that was familiar with the faith that he was supposed to live by, I don't think he would have done that. But the reason he did is because nobody else was there to hold them accountable. So what's the question for you? The question is this, what temptations do you struggle with when you are all alone? What are those things that come to you when nobody else is around to hold you accountable? There's a man named Jack I read about this past week. He worked in a Christian, uh, he worked in an organization where he had some Christian friends around him. Every day, Monday through Friday, him and a few of his friends would meet do a devotional, pray together, and then go on about their job. He said it was really one of the better times in all of his life, but he always had a dream to be an over the road truck driver, drive a big rig, coast to coast. That's what he wanted to do. And one day his friend, another friend of his called and said, hey, I've got this opportunity for you for this dream job of yours. Well, naturally, Jack jumped at that. He got the job and sure enough, before long, he's driving a semi trucker all over the country. But that was when Jack would say that temptation came to him in ways that he had never encountered before. And so he's, on the, he's in this truck and he said, I was alone for hours thinking things that I'd never thought before. I would go to truck stops and be around people that I would never see again. Nobody ever knew each other, but we always would connect. And through the course of those conversations, we never had to worry about anybody holding anyone accountable or there ever being any follow-up because we just never would see each other again. After a couple years of doing this job, a woman called him. She shared her name, and then she said she was pregnant. It was a woman that Jack had been with recently from a truck stop that he had met. And This is how Jack would surmise his situation. Looking back, I can see the moment I struck out on my own, Satan showed up. He climbed right up into the cab with me, put his feet on the dash, and made himself right at home. I never really knew what temptation was until I found myself all alone a thousand miles from home. What are you tempted with when you're all alone? The devil looks for us when we're alone. First Peter chapter 5 says it this way, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for groups looking for crowds, looking for masses of people. No, that's a singular for someone, someone who's all alone by themselves with no accountability to devour. And he knows if he can get that person, he gets everybody else who is connected to him or to her. And perhaps there isn't a place that we're more alone nowadays than when we sit in front of a computer screen looking on the internet, whatever it is that we may be looking at, talking to whoever it is that we may be talking to there. It's in those moments that we're isolated. It's in those moments that generally no one else is around. I came across some concerning statistics recently from this organization called Covenant Eyes. 62% of men view pornography weekly. 21% of women view pornography weekly. 56% of divorces involve a pornographic addiction. And I found, I also saw another statistic that said if one of the members of the marriage is looking at pornography, there's a 300% likely more chance that that relationship will end up in a divorce. 94% of teens will see pornography by 14 years of age. 11 year old, 11 years old is the average age a child sees pornography. Inevitably, it happens. And we can mitigate it, and we can hold it back, and I'm gonna to talk to you about some of the ways that you can do that and the ways that we do that in our home, but we have to equip our children on how to handle that when that happens. And so what I have, 13 years ago, I started this on my devices, I put Covenant Eyes on my devices. It cost me about $130 a year. You make decisions in life, and when you make a decision, you don't always know the implications or the ramifications of a decision. I can tell you that was one of the best decisions that I ever made. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.